team. Thanks, Luke. That was awesome, buddy. Bless you, man. That was great. These, we've got some great young people rising up. We've got future pastors and preachers and, and community workers that are rising up amongst our youth. And, uh, and that's what we want to be, a church that's not just uh, about gathering the flock. It's about sending out and equipping. And so thanks, guys. You're doing a great job. Brilliant job. I mean, I look around too in our children's ministry. You've seen a little bit of what's happening there. And downstairs, I see Nicole on a Thursday working with the children downstairs on a Thursday, our play group. Um, some great things are happening. And why are they happening? Because God wants to use his church to change lives. That's what he wants us to do. It's not about just coming and being. It's about coming and actually going and being. It's not about just the gathering. It's about the going. And I, and I really sense that as we have been reflecting, um, God is doing some great things in this place. I've been hearing miracles. There's a, there's a few people around. Joy, Joy, Joy Barrow, are you here? No, she's not. It's a pity. Joy um, shared a miracle that's happened this week. When she comes on Sunday, I'm going to get her to share. There's other miracles that's going on. Luke told us, Tim told us of a miracle the other day. Um, And I know that God is touching lives. God is changing lives. God is healing people. God is speaking to people right here in our midst at this time, right now. And he needs to be praised. Um, has anyone got a Jesus story? Let's just encourage us. Come on, I know they're out there because you've been telling me. So come on, tell me who's got a Jesus story of what's happened that touched their lives this week. I saw a hand, but I think that was scratching the head. Yeah. No, come on. Is he, is he really dead? I thought he was alive. You know, I, I was with, uh, this is a side issue, but, you know, just thinking about what Tim just shared. And, and on Thursday, my... My day where I was meeting and doing my Bible study, and oh, it was so amazing. I actually did a scary thing. I took, um, we were talking about what it means to listen to God, and I took this group of young girls um, on an imaginary journey. So they closed their eyes and they, they thought about how they would walk into a room and just sit alone with Jesus. And uh, some of them found it really, really difficult. I wonder what it would be like for you if you realized that you were in a room sitting alone with Jesus in front of you. <laughs> what would it be like? And, uh, and I know one of these girls, she said, you know, I walked in that room and it was like dark. It was dark. And all of a sudden I looked up into Jesus' eyes and it was like all this darkness just disappeared. That's what he does. That's what he does. He's the light of the world. He brings light in where there's darkness. He changes worlds. And he's doing it now. This isn't a theory. This isn't a belief. It's actually happening. And it's been happening on, on, on our youth groups. It's happening in our children's church. It's happening in our play groups. It's happening in our small groups. It's happening in your workplaces. And we need to be telling everybody, Jesus is actually alive. And he's doing stuff. And he's doing miracles. And we can run into his arms. And he wants us to. Oh, I've got a story. Come on. I, I saw a story. Um, okay, so um, a few weeks ago I had quite a tragedy happen and I was really starting to um, go downhill, I think, spiritually, emotionally, all the rest of it. <laughs> 
Um, and it got to the point where Dan, I sort of had to lean on him for support and he ended up calling a couple of women up that we did a Freedom in Christ course with, really busy women, um, you know, flying in and out of the country all the time. They live in Claremont and Byford. Um, and he was just like, look, we really need some prayer or something. Is there any way that we can have a meeting with you guys? And we're both thinking like, there's no way or, you know, it's not going to, help's not going to come in time. <laughs> it's too late. But um, they said, oh, well, we'll come up like right now. We're actually in the area. And when they got to our place, they said to us, we, well, I woke up this morning and I just heard God say that we were going to need to be in Kalamunda today. Um, so she's like, I cancelled all my plans. And I got this other girl and we both just came to Kalamunda. We didn't do anything. We were just hanging around waiting for that call. So, yeah, that was my thing. Yeah. Come on, give Jesus a clap because he's awesome. Is this, there must be some more stories. We could do this and not preach. This is much more fun. Come on, simple, simples are good. of sand and if you remember how bad it was two days ago there was clouds everywhere it was belting down and my boys had taken off somewhere so I had to do all this by myself and I thought there's going to be a huge downpour I said God please help me so he held the rain off for about 40 minutes and just as I got the last barrow emptied bang down she came so God cares about the little stuff too he does he does I've got one. Oh, hi I don't have much of a voice but um I've been running Alpha with some of the mums at Hillside um, School down the hill. And one of the mum, there's two mums that aren't Christian at all. And um, one of them said, oh, do I have to come every week? And I said, no, just come whenever you want. And she loves it so much that she gets really upset if she can't. Like she thought she couldn't come Friday and she made it happen so she could. And after watching, I think we're up to how can I have faith she said, I'm just really struggling to believe this because it sounds too good to be true. So it's a miracle yet to happen, but they're just amazed. And they, she said, how do you know this? If, how would I know this if I hadn't gone to this course? Like, how do people out there know it? And I think it's a real um, cry of, like, people don't know. And um, this is our chance to show God's love and to actually share the good news because they're open and they're ready. Excellent. Mm. Yeah, Carlton didn't win. That's okay. Yeah, that's awesome, eh? Come on, any more? Wow, look, they're all going up there. I'm gonna go up here. You come second, ladies first. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> you threw me off. Um, so, uh, since I've had Ethan, he's six now. I had like really bad hay fever. And it got worse, and I kept doing any sinus infections, and it was pretty much to the point, like, every time someone mowed the lawn, I would have the sinus infection. Then I saw, I had CT scans, and like, it's all good. Really? <laughs> um, looks fine to me. Maybe it's allergies, so I saw an allergist, and he's like, yeah, I'm allergic to grass and highly sensitive to smells and flowers and all the lovely smelling stuff. <laughs> stay away from um so yeah so just being like god please take this you know pain away and just constantly sick and struggling and um yeah obviously um struggle through that and just mentally you know just 
finding it hard, but just really trusting in God that um, he'll get me through it and make me better. So I just saw the allergist and on Monday last week and all so much better. Um, to the point now I like I go outside and get a tiny little tingle, itchy throat, but that's it, which is a miracle because I would definitely in bed like with a sinus pain and everything. So God is good. That's good. Over here, Steve. Uh, you may know, may know I work at a school and work at um, and um, I'm, I, was, I just I guess I'd like to thank God because I can see how He works things out. So I help run a, a chapel service, and during and there there was like a space and there was nothing happening. I'd organise it, and the way it came together, the thing in the end that really blessed me was that um, through the process of other people contributing to this idea of we have a chapel service, we get kids sharing. We end up getting um, seven kids coming to the front, in front of the whole of the high school, sharing about their faith. And I thought that was, you know, looking at it at the time, I didn't really appreciate it. But as I look at it, I think there's seven kids stood up well, in front of the whole school and just sharing about their faith. And that was really a blessing. To see that how that came about, God brought it about to give that opportunity. That was great. That's excellent. We need to keep talking up these stories because uh, God it does, one, it gives God the glory. And it makes sure that we acknowledge what he's doing. But not only that, it also encourages each other to pray about little things as well as big things. Um, I mean, I, I think I can tell this story, but Jade, even the other day, he, was, uh, he prayed for um, his uh, girlfriend was in hospital and they were struggling to see the doctor and they were waiting and waiting and waiting and they were starting to get panicky. And so they said, let's pray that the doctor will be here at, I think it was something like 10.59 and they decided to ask for a weird number just to prove that it was God. And they prayed and at 10.59 the doctor turned up in the room. You know, it's like we need to, to, to not just look at pressing buttons to get God to work, but God wants to show us that he's alive. And he wants us to talk about it. And he wants us to tell each other, to encourage each other, to pray about little things and big things. He wants to be involved in all of that. We're talking about going to the next level. And, uh, and I want to suggest to you that God wants us to keep moving to the next level in relationship with himself. He doesn't just want us to stay knowing him as we knew him. I mean, if you look at the Old Testament, it starts off, it reveals God this way, and all the way through you see how God's revealing himself more and revealing himself more and revealing himself more to the point where we get to Jesus and we meet him. And that's the same with you and I. He starts off when we know Jesus this much, but he wants us to do more than just know about him. He wants us to discover him in the everyday walk of our lives. That's going to the next level. It's more than just knowing him and knowing more about him. People love to do that. Let's do more reading. Let's go to more sermons. Let's find out more principles. And that's good. But he wants us to actually be more part of him. So he's part of our everyday life. That's going to the next level. That's what Tim did a great sermon on last week. Listen to the message on the podcast. It was brilliant about is Jesus actually in our boat? Because when Jesus is in the boat, things happen immediately. It's a great word, immediately. Um, check it out. Have a look at it. I won't preach it again. It was a great message. 
But I want to suggest to you that, that this next part of this message is that Jesus is wanting us to know him at a different place, in a different space. We're going to go into the Word of God. And, um, and I hope that today, today, that you might see that what you're going through, whatever it is, is all part of God just taking us to the next level, revealing himself differently. Showing you a different side of him. Showing you a deeper side of him. Helping him become more of who you are rather than what you know. So let's have a look at the scripture. We're going to keep going in John. And we're at John 6. And you know that he's already fed the 5,000. Right? He was over there um, on the hill. People came over to see him um, by boat. And they all came up and he fed the 5,000. Did a pretty amazing thing there. And then we discover that they all took off on their boats. And Jesus ends up turning up in the boat. He walks on water, as we told last week. He ends up in the boat. They get to the other side at Capernaum. And there they are in Capernaum. And the people are still on the other side of the river, the lake. Because they know that Jesus didn't get in the boat. And they're saying, where are you? They're looking around for him and they realise that he must be on the other side as well. Can't work, how he got, how, can't work out how he got there, but he got there. So here we are at John 6. And let's start reading it together. Father God, as we read this, would you bring it alive? Would you make it real to us? Would you speak to us even through these words? The scripture is the word of God for us. So I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will take it and make it alive in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. John 6, starting at verse 30. It says, They answered, so Jesus, they've come across and Jesus, how did you get here? And then they start to ask him questions. I probably should go a bit higher, but I don't know why I started there. And it says, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Hmm. That was something that we prayed in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up in the last days. Then the people began to murmur, 
in a disagreement because he had, he had said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. As it is written in Scripture, they will be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I, who was sent from God, have seen him. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes, believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. A number of years ago, now Marg and I took um, Jaden, we went over to um, my son, and we went to Paris. And uh, on our way to Paris, we had a terrible thing happen, right? We were on our way, we were in England at the time, and our, our visa card got blocked. Someone got into it took our money, and so the bank saw that and decided to put a block on it without telling me. And hence, we go to the place, places around to use our visa card. Nothing worked. We ended up on the phone for hours talking to Westpac, and they would only talk to Margie. They wouldn't talk to me. Um, and in the end, they thought they'd better talk to me, so they talked to me. Um, and so Margie and I are going backwards and forwards. This is conversation with the uh, Westpac. And they were very, very good to us. Actually, they were brilliant. They were fantastic. Actually, took us onto Visa. But what they said was, look, you've got a spare card. We said, yes, we do. And I said, go and use that one. So I did. I went down to the, the bank, put my card in, and it got rejected. So I went back. I rang them up again and said, look, our card has just been rejected. And they looked and said, oh, yes, yeah, someone in England's trying to use it. And I said, yeah, that's me. And you told me to. But hey... So now we have no cards, we've got no money, and we're about to leave for Paris. So what happened was my auntie, who doesn't trust banks, had money, lots of money, shoved hidden under the mattress, as you do, right? Mattress bank. And it was all under the... And she said, would you like to borrow some? I said, fantastic. So she gave us a thousand pound. Well, we were a little bit nervous about carrying a thousand pounds. So we hide it everywhere. I've got some in the soles of my shoes, and we've got some in Jaden's got some in his shoes, and we've got it all hidden all over our bodies, right? This is like we were we were smuggling money. I'm so glad we didn't get caught for well, border patrol people or something. We would have had some questions to answer. But here we are, we get to Paris, all we have is a thousand pound cash, and we are there trying to work out what to do. Well, we're a little bit Actually, Jane and I weren't quite as worried as Maggie because we actually were pretending that we were James Bond at the time. So it was all quite an adventure. But Maggie was extremely concerned, and so was I, really. And we were, we were trying to work out what we were going to do. So we didn't want to spend our £1,000. 
I had all this money all over my body and hidden in, in places, but we didn't want to spend any because we needed to get out of there. We had to go to the embassy in the end, and we got to the embassy, and we're making our phone call, and they said, look, we will transfer some money to you, but ring us up at this time, and we'll tell you where to pick it up. So Jaden and I, we found this telephone box on a corner in Paris, like James Bond, rang up for my pickup, and it was in a little back street somewhere we had to pick it up from, and poor old Jaden at the age of 11, I said, I need a pen! So he goes and runs into a news agency or something to a man who couldn't speak English and somehow comes back out with a pen. And so we're right down where we've got to pick it up. But see, Jaden was getting hungry. And as you know, being the provider of the family, I needed to find him some food. So what we did was, just up from where we were staying, was, um, was this pizza bar. And what they would do is they would give you samples as you walk past. So I kept sending Jaden down. Passed a little, and he got another sample, and he got another sample, and he was living on samples. It was great. That lasted for about 10 minutes because he's a boy, um, and so we had to find some more. And it's kind of funny because it made me realize that here's Steve and Maggie, the providers. We're the providers, and we've got all this provision, but here we are giving our son samples little samples to try and keep him going because he didn't want to spend any money and it's very expensive over there if you've been to Paris to feed McDonald's. It's so expensive. And I thought to myself, I mean, I could have said to Margie, look, don't worry, Margie, look, silver and gold, have I none? But look at me, all I have I give you. I probably wouldn't have worked, right? We needed more than that and we didn't have it, but we did have it but we couldn't use it because we were afraid to use it. And I wonder when we look at Jesus, who gives everything, he is the great provider, he has everything. And you and I have access to the powers and everything of the kingdom of heaven, and we've got it hidden in our bodies or on our bodies. We've got it hidden somewhere, but we're only giving samples rather than the whole pizza because we're afraid to give out of what we've got. You see, I think what Jesus was trying to say to these guys is, I want to move you from seeing me as the provider to seeing me as the provision. You see, too often we look at Jesus being the provider. And this is the next level. You see, I know him as my provider. He has answered my, my prayers. He has provided for me financially. He has given me stuff. But he is more than the provider. He is my provision. And we need to learn to live as Jesus being our provision. So I've named this the provider to my provision. Because you see, these guys were there and they said, we saw you giving out food up on the hill. Now, if you were in the Roman times, so I looked up and I found out yesterday and talking with somebody, there was such a thing called the bread circus. And the bread circus in those days was that the Roman government thought if we could feed them and entertain them, we can get on with just doing whatever we want to do. We still do that today with kids, don't we? iPads and televisions and videos, I'll keep you entertained and we'll keep you fed and that'll keep you happy. So if they could give them food and gave them bread, which is what they did, they had bread runs, they would give them bread, they would entertain them in the big 
big uh, arenas and entertain them with all the entertainment they could find, extravagant entertainment, then that would keep them happy and then they could just do what they want. Put up the taxes, do whatever they want. As long as we fed you and entertained you. So they come along and we're saying, Jesus, you fed us up on the hill. You fed us like the bread circus. And we want to see a miracle, a little bit of entertainment. And Jesus is saying, nah, I am the bread of life. You want me to come and provide for you, but I want to suggest to you that I am more than the provider. I am actually the provision. I am more than the one that's just going to give the food and the miracles. I actually want to be in you as the bread. And as I look at this story, and I was encouraged because there was a, a message that someone gave me after I started looking at this, and it really encouraged me. And I hope you'll be encouraged by this today too. Because as we look at this story, we see that Jesus is going back to that story back in the Old Testament. The one where these people actually understood, because that's why they said, Moses and Aaron gave us food. I mean, we were hungry in the wilderness, and they gave us food. Let's have a look at that story. It's actually in Numbers. And it says this in Numbers 16, verse 1. The whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin, between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained um, about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There, was, there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. I want to suggest you when we go to the next level to discover that God is the provider. But more than that, that he is our provision. We first of all got to go through the wilderness. You see, the wilderness was a significant place because in the wilderness created the need. It was in the wilderness of life that we sometimes go to where we don't feel like we've got enough, where we feel like we're struggling, where it's dry and we're thirsty, where, we're, where we've got concerns happening, when we're going through tough stuff. This is the place where God will lever us into a stronger faith. You see, it's in the wilderness where we grow the muscles of faith. It's in the tough times of life where we grow. Sometimes we'll blame the devil. Sometimes we'll blame other people. Sometimes we'll even blame ourselves. But maybe God is leading us into a wilderness so he can make us stronger because he's got a bigger plan. Could it be that the tough stuff we're going through is there to help us grow so that we discover Jesus as the provision, not just the provider? He wants to grow in us. He wants to take us to the next level. But this is what happened to these guys. First of all, they start the blame game. Isn't that what happens when we go through difficult things? Whose who's fault it is? 
I mean, if so-and-so hadn't done that, if so-and-so hadn't said that, if my parents hadn't done this to me, it's my family of origin's fault is why I'm in this place right now, why I am struggling, why I have these problems. And we look at blaming. The people were blaming. They were blaming Moses and Aaron. It's your fault. You guys brought us out here and now we are in the wilderness starving. Or maybe we start to look back. Hey, if only we hadn't come. I mean, after all, it wasn't that bad back there, was it? I mean, after all, they, at least we had food vouchers and they gave us food every night. It wasn't great, but at least we filled our stomachs up. At least it was actually okay. They treated us really badly and they whipped us and they, we forgot about all that stuff. But the truth is, we got food. And sometimes we look back and we go, gee, it was better in the old days. Maybe if I go back out of Christianity, it might be better. Maybe if I just move away from, from the church and I just go and, and live like I used to, at least I can go out on a Sunday and do something special. Or maybe I can just you know, save up my pennies and not have to tithe if I wasn't in the church because, after all, it wasn't that bad out there. I just didn't know Jesus and I wasn't able to walk with him or experience his love or know that I could call for help or to know that he was walking with me. You see, it's in the wildernesses of life where we actually grow. See, it's on the mountains of life we worship, but it's in the valleys, in the dark valleys where we know he's walking with us and it's in the valleys where we grow the most. And sometimes we go through difficult seasons in our lives because God is wanting to grow something strong in us. But God, what are you doing? It's not what he's doing to you. It's what he's doing in you because he wants to do something in us. He wants to grow us stronger on the inside. And it's in the wildernesses of life where we discover that. Sometimes we, we just tend to live as Jesus, as being the one that's the protector. If I believe in Jesus, everything's going to be fine. If I believe in Jesus, all things are good. And yet, Jesus says, if you believe in me, I want you to know me more. I want you to know me as, my, as being your provision and so, yes, you're going to go through times of growth because I want you to grow in faith. I want you to grow in your faith in me. I'm going to put you in places where you can only hang on to me and nothing else. Would you grow in faith? He wants us to grow. That's why he puts us in the wildernesses. Proverbs 27 says this, A person who is full refuses honey, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. You see, if you're hungry, the bitterness of this time that we're going, that you might be going through, the toughness of the experience that you're having might be the very thing that would make you hungry for Jesus and to grow in faith and depend upon him. And he becomes your provision rather than simply your provider. God is doing something to you because he wants to do something through us. Church, God is doing something to us because he wants to do something through us. The bigger the issue, probably the bigger the faith he wants to grow because he's got a bigger thing he wants to do through you. And I get excited about that. 
I get excited because it's not the end anymore. This is just the beginning. It's not the problem anymore. This is the possibilities. God wants to grow something in Steve Hall. God wants to grow something in you. He wants to take us to the next level. Why? Because you are a valued teddy bear. And he loves you. And he wants to take you into a higher place. He wants you to discover more. He wants you to be a stronger person of faith that you actually are a carrier of his provision. Then I go on to the next part. I get excited. Um, the next thing I discover is not only were they in the wilderness, but they need to find out who was their source. You see, they were looking at Moses and Aaron. They provided for us. But Jesus said, they didn't provide for you. Here's the truth. My Father in heaven did that for you. You see, we're looking sometimes at the wrong sources. We're looking at it was the preacher or it was the, the book or it was the program or it was this that has provided for my life. Here's the problem. I see so often people who have followed great pastors and preachers and great men of faith over the years and when that man falls and tumbles falls into sin, maybe ends up doing something bad, all of a sudden our faith falls through the floor. We were over at Willow Creek when the board announced um, uh, Bill Hybels and uh, the whole idea of what Bill went through and the whole resignation of the board because of the situation of the allegations against him that end up being proved right. And it, this church was struggling. And I remember being there and one of the, Tim Hanna, who was with us at the time, he said, we need to be here for the sake of the church because it's not Bill, it's the church. It's not, it's not the sin, it's God who is the provider. It's not an individual. If we put our faith in an individual, you will fall. If you put your faith in an individual or a, or a program, it will it will fall because that isn't what gives you life. He is the provider. We need to look at who our source is. Because he said, I, I am, I am the bread of life that will give you the bread you need and the energy you need. I am the light of the world that's going to open up the pathway for you to see where to go next. I am the gate that you can walk through for your protection. I am the good shepherd. I am the word. I am. He kept saying it over seven times. I am. I am. I am. We need to know that Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is your word. Jesus is your strength. Jesus is your healer. Jesus is the one. He is the provision, not just the provider. And the last thing, Provision comes in you to provide something through you. I am the living bread and came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. This bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. If you're going through difficult times, if you're going through struggles, if you're struggling with deep things, and let me tell you, rejoice! Because God's doing something big inside you. 
He's doing something great inside you. There is massive opportunities right inside you right now. Didn't it say rejoice with all trials that you face, dear brethren? We're going through tough stuff. It's because God is building something big inside you. Why is he building something big inside you? Because there's a world out there that needs to know the provider and the provision. You see, it starts with provider. He gave me salvation, but it ends up with provision. He is my salvation. He is my life. And God is doing something big in us. If you are facing trials of many kinds, we should be rejoicing. Why? Because what God's doing is making that faith muscle inside us get stronger and stronger and stronger because I've got nothing else to hang on to but him because he's my provision. I'm going to get our, our singers to come up here and uh, want to ask us right now just to close your eyes. And as we move, us as a church, as we move as individuals to the next level. Because it says, he who eats of my flesh, that sounds scary. He who drinks of my blood, it sounds like a vampire. But what he's saying there is, I am your provider but I am your provision. Would you actually take the provision and make it part of who you are? Would you eat of me? Take me into your being. May I become part of who you are? I met with my son yesterday at the airport and I was watching him and uh, listening to him. And I thought, you know, when he was a baby... We provided. When he was a teenager, we provided more and more. But you see, he's married now. He's a man. He doesn't need my provision anymore. He doesn't need me to, to, to give him anything but who I am. Because he can look after himself. I'm now a provision for him because he has started to become more like us, like Marky and I, as he reflects who we are. And our relationship is more important than what I give him in supplying his needs. And Jesus wants us to go to that level where Jesus in us is so much more. As Tim said, there's a whole world that needs to know Jesus. We heard Kyla share about Alpha. But we need to know the provision in us. Would you eat and drink of him today? We've taken communion. But would you be my I am? And those things that, that we're facing right now, Lord God, walk us through them. So we discover you as our provision. We know that you're walking through us through the dark valleys. We know that you're speaking with us. We know that your love will never leave us nor forsake us. You are our provision. 
Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you come? Grow us to a place where we will look to you first and say, God, what are you doing through this? Would you become part, more part of our lives so that when the world sees us, they see the provision of the kingdom of heaven flowing out of us. That they'll see that love and that joy and that peace and that patience and that kindness and that gentleness and self-control. That all the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit will just be so much in us because you actually live in us. The bread of life becomes part of us. The blood of Jesus washes us. Because you're building something strong. You're building that strong faith muscle in us that we can truly make a difference in the world around us. You're doing something in us, Lord God, so you can do something through us. You're doing something deep inside this church because you want to do something great through it. You're doing something deep inside individual lives in this place. You want to grow something big in us because you want to grow something big through us. Amen.